if you want a little bit more of that, come tonight. So that was one of the songs that'll be in the program tonight. So I encourage you to be here for the night of worship, Christmas night of worship this evening. Well, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, we're actually going to look at John's gospel account. So you can open your Bibles to the book of John. And John describes the coming of Christ and the Savior in quite a different fashion than Matthew or Luke, which is where we typically will end up being usually for Christmas sermons. But John captures Jesus' advent in a way that's so important for us as we seek to follow him. And so I wanted to look at it from John's angle this year. We'll be in that first chapter of John this whole Christmas season. John himself describes why he wrote the gospel account in verse 31 of chapter 20. He wrote these words. He says, but these things are written. He's talking about all of it. Chapter 1 to chapter 21. He says, all of these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We look at the gospel account of John for this purpose. So we can believe and so that we can live. So we can live. One way in which you and I need help in our lives, I think, is to help us to have hope. I say this quite often, but I just think it's, it bears saying, and then it's also just true. We live in a world increasingly full of despair, difficulty, trial, People can't get along. Nations can't get along. Our safety is somewhat in concern. Not not just ours, but others quite more um, up in the air whether or not they're safe or not. But on top of all that, we live, in a, we live in a time in the United States when anxiety, depression are higher than they have ever been. People are struggling with despair, difficulty. And you and I have the answer. You and I have the remedy you and I have something that can help combat despair. It's when John said, I wrote all these things so that you may believe in Christ and that you may live in him. 
God meant for you to have a life. Now, I'm not saying that anxiety, depression doesn't have its place in our life. Sometimes life's hard, and it just does. I'm not saying that just believing in God will somehow wipe away those things from your life. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the, the despair, the difficulties we face, just because we believe in Christ and depend upon him, doesn't mean that it goes away or it fades away. It just means that in the midst of all of those things, we have something solid to hold on to in the midst of that storm. That's what John wants you to see. And so John begins completely differently than anyone else does as he shares the idea of the arrival of this Christ. John wants you to truly find hope. And that's what we're going to look today in these passages, these, these just a few verses, is how to find hope in Christ's arrival. Because hope is something we all desperately need. You could even say that our world is hopeless. Hopeless. And it's because people don't understand the type of hope that's in the Bible. In fact, if you look up the definition of hope, it's, it simply says that it's a desire for something to happen. That's not what hope is. The very definition the world puts forward for hope is just a desire. It's a kind of a, well, I hope it'll happen. It's a wish. It's a wish. And it might come true or it might not. If I just have enough positive energy, maybe it will. That's not what hope is biblically. Biblical hope is this, and this is not original to me. It's original to many people, and I just put it all together. All right, so. But I think it's so good. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and it is strengthened because he is faithful. Hope is confidence, confidently expecting for God to do what God said he will do. And knowing, because he is faithful, that he will do it. That's hope. That's what you need. That's what this world needs. Because we don't have a promise in the Bible that all the despair will end. And we just have a promise in the Bible that we can confidently expect God to one day wipe it all away. You and I may still have to face it, but we can face it in Christ's strength and not in ours. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and the fact that it's strengthened by God because he is faithful. This confidence in our expectation is what I hope we'll walk away with 
today that you can walk out of this room and say, you know what? I have biblical hope. I have confidence. Not in the world around me, but I have confidence in the one who is over all the world around me. God has promised so much in his word and we can have confidence that he will bring it to bear. John begins there to give us evidence of God's faithfulness. And so I want you to follow along with me if you're able. It's a short verse. Would you stand to honor God's word and just allow these words just to soak over us in this moment? John wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I think there's four things about hope that we see in this passage that will help us to do what John said, to believe and to live, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, we would have life in his name. And I, I think there's four things in this passage that will help us to have hope, to live in hope, to live with confident expectation that God is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do. The first thing that we see here is that The hope of Christmas is an eternal hope. Where other gospel writers begin with Jesus' human origin and his lineage, and shortly after his birth, John's gospel account begins with Jesus' divine nature and his connection to God the Father. John is helping us to see that Jesus is not merely a babe in a manger, Sweet, dear baby Jesus, as uh, in the words of uh, Ricky Bobby, right? He's not merely just sweet, dear baby Jesus. He's not merely just a man. He's not merely a prophet or merely a teacher or some half God, half human. This is God Almighty from the very beginning To the very end is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the eternal God. And at the very beginning of human history, notice John says, in the beginning, it's meant to remind you, it's meant to echo back to Genesis 1-1 and those same words, in the beginning. And John says, in the beginning, Jesus was there because Jesus is God. You want to have hope? You want to face this life? 
It begins by realizing that Jesus Christ is eternal God and he loves you and he loves me. John's helping us to see that Jesus is more than mere mortal. Now listen, Jesus was still the babe in the manger. Jesus was, yes, a man. I'm not saying that, but what what John is helping us to see is not just his human nature, but his divine nature. That he's just, he's not doing away with something that we already believe. He's he's just strengthening us. That that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the very same time. Humanity Completely human, completely God. He was the incarnate God with human flesh. Not only is this Jesus the divine revealing of who God is, that's what, that's what the word word means, it's logos. And it's this divine revelation. This John says, in the beginning was the divine revelation of who God is, the the Word. And that Word, that Jesus, and we haven't named him yet, but John knows him, and John's naming him here. He will name him eventually. That Word, that divine revelation of who God is, happened to also be God. He's the one who created all things and all things were created through him, John says. Why? Why does this matter? Why is this important? Why is this important for you and I to recognize and to realize and to know? Because Jesus is eternal. You can have a lasting hope. Because Jesus is eternal, he he does not fade with the whims of the world. You see, the world would say, place your hope in money. Place your hope in faith uh, and fame. Place your hope in a 401k that's, that's enough to retire on. Place your hope in X, Y, and Z. All those things will end everything that the world tells you and I to place our hope in. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us we can't have those things, but we're not to put our, put our hope in those. I'm not telling you to, to not have all those things. I'm just saying don't place your hope there because all those things will one day end. But Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal and his, the hope he brings to you and I lasts forever. John wants us to see the eternality of God to realize that he is something solid. He does not shift. It is not determined by the surrounding circumstances. The hope you and I have in Christ is solid, never changing, and we have confident expectation because Jesus is eternal God. He's creator of all things. 
when we place our hope in him, we place our trust in him, everything else may fade away, but he will last forever. So the hope of Christmas is an eternal hope. The second thing that we see in this passage is that hope of Christmas is a life-giving hope. John says, all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. In him was a life. In him was life. Jesus is the very embodiment of life. Therefore, he gives things life. He breathes life into things. He makes dead things living again. This word for life here found in this text is actually a key word for John. John uses it 36 times in the gospel account. John wants you to see that you can have a hope in Jesus because Jesus is a life-giving If you think about hope, we've talked about despair. If you, hope, if you think about hope, hope is the very antithesis, the very opposite of despair. See, the world is full of despair because the world focuses on death and dying and, and everything because it has no hope. In the world, everything ends. I'm reminded of, of many atheists that I've listened to because I, just trying to understand how they believe what they believe and, and unfortunately even people who have deconstructed their Christian faith and become atheistic in their life and, and atheism among many of its faults logically one of, one of the worst things about atheism is that they have no, nothing to hope in. Because to them, there is no life. There is no afterlife. There is no, it's just all, we're just ethereal beings and one day you're going to just drift off into nothingness. How terrible. How hopeless. But that's where following after the world and its ways will lead you. Because that is the logical explanation of the logical ending of the thoughts of the world that would all lead to this place of despair, hopelessness, muck and mire, and just end. And what Jesus does and what John helps us to see is that Jesus is the source of life. Life. Despair drags you down into the depths where death and other things lurk. John lifts our eyes out of despair to inject hope into us by reminding you Jesus gives life. So the hope of Christmas is an eternal hope. The hope of Christmas is a life-giving hope, and the hope of Christmas is a light-bearing hope. John says, in him was the life, and that life was the light of men. Light illuminates. Light helps you face reality. Dark keeps you guessing what's lurking around the corner. Um, I play 
very few video games, but I do have a video game that I play, and um, in that, it's um, The Legend of Zelda, The Tears of the Kingdom. All right, that's what it is. All right, that's fun. I enjoy it. But in that game, there's this whole realm called the depths, and it's just dark. And you have to do certain things to light up various areas. And if you don't have light, you have no idea where you're going. And so it's kind of nerve-wracking because you're constantly going and trying to find a source of light or put some light out there so you can kind of see what's going on. And you can only see what's just right in front of you. And I thought about that as playing this game, this spiritual application comes to my mind of that's what like the world is like, darkness is like. That's what our world is like, the depths, if you will, and it's just full of darkness. And around every curve and every corner, you don't know what's lurking there. And so that's why Christ uses light as Number one, he is light, but that's why we see that imagery of light. Jesus lights up the darkness. Jesus gives us life and light so that we can know what is real, what is actual, what is truth. You don't have to worry about what's around the corner. And whether something's there or not, you can, if you have light... You can know. Now, there may still be something there, but at least you can deal with it. Life still may be tough, but you'll know how to face it. Jesus gives us light by which to live our lives. He's the light for all mankind, it says. Jesus' light is the way for anyone to overcome darkness, and that's the final thing we see. The hope of Christmas is an eternal hope. The hope of Christmas is a life-giving hope. And the hope of Christmas is a light-bearing hope. And the final thing is the hope of Christmas is a darkness-expelling hope. Jesus' light invades darkness, and darkness cannot stay. Darkness runs John gives us hope by reminding us that Jesus is able to overcome the darkness we face. What darkness befalls you today? Turn to Jesus. His light will light your path. He will give you confident expectation that he will do what he said he will do and trust in him no matter what surrounds you. I pray that you will. I'm gonna pray and our team's gonna come and lead us. I pray that God is working in your heart. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would move right now we certainly could benefit from knowing the hope that comes from you 
You are eternal God. Because you are eternal, the fleeting difficulties of life will fade, but you will last forever. Help us to take our eyes off the wind and waves or the storm that we are surrounded by in this world and give us confident expectation that because you are faithful we can trust you God I pray today I just wonder if someone here is here today, God, that does not know this type of hope. When I said the word despair, they felt that deep in their heart because despair seems to be pulling them down into the depths. God, would you help them to see that your hand is there ready to pull them up, that the light of men, that the life in Christ is is there available to them, that they must merely reach out to you and say, Jesus, save me. And you will. God, if there's someone here today that needs to do business with you in that way, God, would you give them confidence to just come forward, talk to me, just right now. For the rest of us, Lord, many of us know you as our savior but it's real easy to look around and get discouraged in anxiety and depression or just as prevalent in the life of Christians as the rest of the world because we all face many of the same challenges Lord so I pray in the midst of those storms Lord you'd help us to cling to you and find our hope that lasts forever in our eternal God So, God, would you help us to do that, Lord? However you're dealing with hearts and minds right now, Lord, would you, would you help us not to just sing a song and walk out of the door, but to respond to you in this moment and whatever you're calling us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, do business with God today. You can come talk with me. I'd love to do that. If you'd also like to talk to one of our Folks, at our next steps table, you can certainly do that as well. But do, as we sing this song, truly think about what we've talked about, confident expectation. And ask God to work in your heart whatever he may need to do in this moment as we respond to him in song.